Rav Judy here of Bavakama, Perak Yod Mishnah Aleph. Uh, as we kick off the final chapter in Bavakama, we get into a discussion of benefit from stolen property. So here we go. If Ruvain, a thief, steals property from, let's say, Shimon, and then either feeds it to his children, literally stole food and gave it to them, or stole money and spent it on them and their care, um, or he or stole something and then died and left it to them. Uh, so it's in his estate. The, the value's in the estate. Now Ruvain's gone, and the, Ruvain's children have inherited uh, his property. They do not have to pay Shimon back. Why do they not have to pay Shimon back? So if the item, this is assuming, number one, that the item is no longer around, the item, that the item was consumed. If the item is still around, if Ruvain stole from Shimon a car and then left it to his children and died, they have to give back the item. They have to give back the car. However, let's say they've consumed it. They've eaten the food or the money has been spent, so it's no longer around, they don't have to pay back Shimon, the creditor, the victim, uh, as a debt. They sort of have this debt that, that there's nothing to collect it from, assuming, number two, that Ruvain only left his children movable property, what's called metaltalin, cash, movable objects, etc. However, if what Ruvain left for his children is real estate. Real estate is what's called a davershiyeshbo achraya. We've seen this content, this uh, concept before. It's a, a uh, an item that has responsibility attached to it. It can be collected from, etc. Then Shimon can collect from the real estate. So when the opening statement says that if Ruvain stole and then fed his children, what it means is that the, the item is gone. Uh, it's no, it's no longer around and it's been used up, and all that he has left his children is is movable property. They in theory have a debt to Shimon because their father stole from him, but no requirement to pay back out of movable property because Shimon doesn't have the right to collect from that. However, if it was real estate that, that Ruvain left to his children, Shimon can completely collect from it. In Potrin, in Portin, sorry, not Potrin, Portin, this is now talking about changing money. You have a, you know, a dollar bill, a $10 bill, a $100 bill, you want to want to make change. So there are certain places you're not allowed to make change from change from because we assume that it's actually stolen monies and you're getting involved with stolen monies. Namely what? You can't take change from the the wallet, the uh, the change purse, the the money bag of a tax. These are various kinds of tax collectors um, and customs agents. Now, this is not the taxes of today or the customs of today. Um, thank God we. Uh, live in a lot of uh, honest countries uh, where, within reason, I mean, more or less, uh, the system is solid and the uh, and it's well-run and the people are, are, by and large, honest. This is talking about eras, and you see this a lot through the Gemara, where the way taxes were collected was that somebody tough um, and perhaps wealthy would basically pay off the king, the local noble, whatever, for the right to be the tax collector. They would go to the local nobleman and say, I'm willing to give you whatever, you know, $200,000 to be the tax collector. They say, okay, great. They take in the 200000 because they have no work to do. They, the nobleman now gets 200000 And then says, you're a tax collector. I authorize you. The tax collector now goes around and collects whatever he wants from anybody. Can walk around and create tax rates and show up at your door. And he's a tough guy. It's basically some sort of a mafioso. So coming and showing up and threatening you if you don't give them whatever they ask for, and they keep that money. Um, so the, all these sorts of tax and customs agents, they're not really honest people carrying out the will of the government that we live under, but rather ruffians who come around and just collect what they like. So if you go to them and you say, hey, uh, Mr. Tough Guy, I'd like to, could you break a 20 for me? Um, the money that you're getting is almost certainly stolen money. It's money they showed up at someone's door and took 
because the person couldn't resist them, couldn't stop them. They ain't no limehan tzedakah. We also don't uh, take tzedakah from them because they're giving you stolen money and now they're going to think, the Me'ir explains, they're going to think that they're good people now because they, they steal this money and then they give some of it out. So they say, ah, oh, I'm a charitable person. That's wrong. We don't want to take that. You can... Uh, break, get change from them or whatnot, or, or take tzedakah from their home or from their store in the marketplace. We don't assume that all the money in their home or all the money in the marketplace is necessarily stolen money. It's when you know that something's stolen, when they're walking around with their bag of cash as they go door to door and collect it, that you can't take from. The same way that if you're walking in the street and, and some guy sort of opens his coat, has a bunch of gold watches, uh, and says, hey, want to buy a watch? So that's almost certainly a stolen watch. This is not a watch store. If someone opens their coat and offers to sell you a letter S, that actually might work. But that's Sesame Street. Outside of that, though, uh, buying a watch is a bad idea from a uh, – if, if, if you know that things are stolen, buying stolen goods is problematic. And so here, changing money or get it, receiving money that you know is stolen is problematic. If you get it from the person's store or their home – that may be from their legit, the legitimate side of their businesses.